0: Hi, welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen today, you are blessed and encouraged. Thank you so much for listening in. If you want any more information about our ministry, we'd love you to jump onto our website, harvestaustralia.org. Have a great day. Thank you. Wonderful people of Harvest Church in Adelaide. Take a seat so good to be here again in this place you've got such a brilliant facility and uh it's just i'm sure you're grateful but and uh i hear the toilets are even brilliant these days <laughs> Woo! Woo, that matters i'll tell you yeah if you want to know what a place is really like go and check out the toilets i reckon and, and that's brilliant and uh and the worship team thank you for leading us so well this morning into the presence of the Lord. Yeah, let's appreciate them, huh? So good. Well, you know, I, I lived in Christchurch. I was born in Brisbane. Lived in Christchurch. We moved there when I was eight. And uh, my dad was a pastor. We went to pastor church there and, and, uh, and had five years. And I, I love that city. And the, the, uh, the, the city's had such hardship for many, many years. And uh, it's great that we prayed for them. Um, and uh, what a great tragedy there and a time really for the love love of God to be spread in that place and uh, then uh, when I was 13 my family moved to Lower Hutt which is at the bottom of the North Island and um, then one Christmas with uh, th- three other mates we decided we were going to actually go down to, back to Christchurch for a holiday and so we thought we'll, um, we'll get the ferry the inter-island ferry and we, uh, we did, and we got to Christchurch, and uh, we got a taxi. One of, one of those guys, his family still uh, lived in Christchurch, so we're going to stay with them for a couple of days. Then we're going to go to a, a couple of Christian camps. And had about three weeks planned in Christchurch. And uh, we got a taxi, and we got to our mate's place, and the taxi cost a fortune. And then we realized we got no way of getting around the city for three weeks, and we can't afford taxis. We'll be broke. In three days, um, you see, we hadn't thought ahead. I mean, yeah, we were in our later teens, uh, and who knows? You know, teenage boys—they, you, they, you know, they don't think. You, they, they don't think. Teenage males are like that. And uh, some of you are thinking, when do males start to think? Well, I'm not going to go there. The, the jury's out on that one. Um, we, we reserve the right to just remain non-thinkers the rest of our lives. In some ways. That's how it is. So, uh, so we're stuck. And so um, one of the guys, and uh, is actually, you've probably heard his name, Brian Houston, uh, Hillsong fame. He, uh, he, he, he was already a leader. So he says, I know, we'll look in the newspaper and we'll buy a car. So we look in the newspaper, I mean, we haven't got much money, but we look in the newspaper, we see a car for uh, advertised $40, $10 each. Now, $10 back there was worth a lot more than $10 today, but not that much more. $40 car. We go around to this place, and here it is. And, uh, and we, we bought our $40 car. There, I, there could be a picture maybe on your screen of our $40 car. There it is. 1936 Austin. A twelve, yeah. So that's that's me in the front. Don't laugh, please. We all wore flares back then. What is actually really funny is I'm looking under the bonnet, and why is that funny? Why why that is funny is because I know nothing about cars. I didn't then. I don't now. I have no idea. I'm probably just looking at whoa. There's an engine. The guy behind me is Brian. He thinks it's Brian. I think he's taking the photo, but he's one of them. And then another couple of mates and. um, that's our car for three weeks. And um, it was old and it was... Back then, they made cars out of, like, solid steel. Like, these days, you can blow on a car and cause a dent. Those days, you could get a hammer and whack the car and there's no effect. Like, it were, they were solid. That, the good news is they were incredibly solid. The bad news is it made them incredibly heavy. And the engine, I mean, this is a 1936, this is 1972, so, um, so this is already 36 years old, and the technology wasn't great anyway. It probably wasn't a great engine to start with. It, it would have lasted a long time, well, some time, but anyway, um, this car had a serious, what we could call, a serious power to weight ratio problem. Very serious. In fact, it was so serious, and um, this is not a joke, this is the truth. Going up hills sometimes, it would get so slow that three of us would hop out because we're at walking speed and push to get it up over a hill. But it was fun. It was so much fun that we actually put it on the ferry and took it back home. And, uh, and it lasted three months before it blew up. And we sold it for $20 and got $5 back each. And, uh, yeah, Brian was preaching. He used this photo. A couple of weeks, a few weeks ago, up in Brisbane, and he said to me, "You still owe me that five dollars." Oh, he's not getting it now. Power to weight ratios matter. Do you know they matter in life? Because we all carry weight in life. I think probably I could say safely, everybody here carries some form of weight of life. And uh, sometimes the weights are heavier and sometimes the weights are lighter, but they are all there. We, uh, you might carry this morning a, a weight of, of, a, of a job that's um, perhaps proving a little difficult or challenging. Or maybe it's um, a mortgage and you've got to try and find that each month. Or a rent that you've got to find, or it could even be just food on the table. It could be a relational weight, some challenge there. It could be a weight in marriage. Not mine, of course, because mine is perfect. And my wife is sitting here this morning. And so that's what I've got to tell you. But there are some days... I've heard of marriages where it can be a little weighty sometimes. Actually, the reality is mine is too sometimes. Because, you know, you you, you fall in love with these amazing people. You think, whoa, they're just incredible. And they are. And then you marry them and you realize they're opposite to you. Yeah. And you want to hold on to some things in life, and they just want to throw them all out. Because hoarders marry thrower-outers. It just happens like that. And it goes in other areas too. Or children. Children are just a blessing from the Lord some of the time. Yeah. But then you get them through those early stages. And then you get them through the next stages. And then you realize they're always going to be in stages. And they're still my children. Our's are 28 and 25. We love them. Our 28-year-old lives in Sydney, and she's engaged. And uh, to a guy, uh, a worship pastor, I said to her, can't you marry somebody who's going to earn you some money? But uh, he's a Hillsong worship pastor, and uh, he's in the Young and Free band, and he's always traveling. Can't you marry someone who's going to be at home and earn you money? Anyway. He loves the Lord. That's good. And the other ones in, Sydney, in Melbourne and, and uh, with her husband, and they love the Lord. They're wonderful. But they still ring up with problems, mostly that have dollars in the front of them. <laughs> Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my oldest, uh, she's doing an MBA. Um, and uh, she rings up the other day because she's discovered that there's only one compulsory subject, and it's financial maths. And I used to be a math teacher, and when she got to grade 11, she talked the head of that area of the curriculum into not doing any maths at all in year 11 and 12 and instead doing art twice, which was good because she became a graphic designer and she heads up creative in 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 an advertising company, except now she has to do financial maths. So guess who she calls? Guess who's on the phone nearly every night trying to solve financial maths problems? Wait! The weights of life, relational weights, all sorts of weights that we can carry in life. Who knows what I'm talking about? Yeah. And you know, some days we discover or we feel like we don't have the power for the weight. This is a big weight right now. And and I'm not sure I've got the power for the weight. Because sometimes the weights all seem to start to come together. And I don't know if I've got the power for the weight. I'm trying to study. I'm trying to get through a degree. I'm trying to get through this career. I'm trying to get through this challenge, this crisis, this thing that has come suddenly upon me and I didn't realize it was coming. I didn't see it and, and it's here and, and now I need the power. You know that um, Jesus carried a lot of weight? Imagine. Imagine. In fact, he carried more weight than anybody ever will carry. Imagine when he starts his earthly ministry. He's 30 years of age and and uh, he starts ministering, and and uh, it it might sound wonderful that you can pray for people and they all get healed, but imagine the pressure that starts to come on you. Imagine if that was you—you you, you couldn't hardly get out the door in the morning before there's a line of people. Would you be? Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? And then his teaching—it was like nobody else. He taught with authority like nobody else, and we want to hear you—you—you you, you speak, and we want to hear more of that. And, and then it's discovered that he can do things like take f- fish and loaves and, and multiply them, and we want to be around that. The weight that he would have felt of expectation, of pressure, of people, of people. And then, of course, he gets to Calvary. And on the cross of Calvary, he carries the weight of the sin of the whole world. Uh, none of us will know what that is like. Weight. How did Jesus carry such weight? He had power for the weight. We read that at the beginning of his earthly ministry, he goes to the Jordan to be baptized by John. And there is his baptizers in Luke chapter 3, all the Gospels. But Luke 3, you can read that. there is his baptized by John. It says that the, the, the heavens open and the Holy Spirit comes and descends. And the Father speaks those wonderful words. You're my son, I love, and you are well pleased. The Holy Spirit comes and fills him. It says then, he he filled with the Holy Spirit. He goes into the wilderness where he's tempted, and then he comes back after meeting those temptations, said he comes back in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus did what he did through the power of the Holy Spirit. That was his power that enabled him to carry the weight. What about his disciples? Here are these guys and uh, it seems like they're not really cutting it. They're not doing too well. And we get to the cross and one denies him and the others all run off and my goodness, you know, did he pick the wrong crowd? Um, but he gathers them together and he says, I want you to go and wait in Jerusalem and you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses throughout the whole world. Powerful wait. Jesus needed it. He needed the Holy Spirit. His disciples needed it. You and I need it. You know that, that living a Holy Spirit-empowered life is meant to be the normal Christian life. That's meant to be normal Christianity. That's not something extraordinary, not something unusual. It's meant to be the normal Christian life. Jesus was uh, talking to His disciples about being filled with the Holy Spirit, and, and He said these powerful and wonderful words recorded in the Gospel of John, chapter 7, and those words perhaps are going to be on the screen for you this morning. And this is what He says, starting in verse 37. It says on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice. Sorry, I said he was saying it to his disciples, but in this case, he's saying it to anybody who's listening. So it's not some restrictive sense. He says in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who have believed in him were later to receive. The last and greatest day of the festival of feasts. This, this feast is the Feast of Tabernacles. It's an annual great party that Israel had. It was a week-long party. And it was a party when they, they remembered the time when Jesus heard their cry, when, uh, the Lord heard their cry when they were in, in Egypt, in slavery, in Egypt, and, uh, and raised up Moses and brought them out. And of course, slavery in Egypt is a picture of slavery to sin. And brought them out into the promised land. And they they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years because of their rebellion. But there they built little booths. They had tents to dwell in. And the Lord still provided for them. He provided the manna and the quail and the water. And their shoes never wore out. Their clothes never wore out. God is providing. And uh, brought them through then finally into the promised land. And so for a week the children of Israel would remember that and they'd do it this way. They would come out of their houses and they would build little shelters to remind them of the tents uh, out, of, out of sticks and out of palm leaves. And they'd live in these tent, uh, little dwellings or tents or tabernacles, whichever word you want. And, uh, and there they'd do that for a week and they'd celebrate. And then on the last day, this was the special day of the whole week, the climax of the week. And on this day, the, uh, the priests would go down from the temple in Jerusalem down to the Pool of Siloam with jars of water. And they'd fill the jars and they'd have this great procession coming back up through the streets in between all of these little tents dwelling places that had been created and, and back up and up the steps again back up to the temple where the high priest would take some of this water and pour it out on the altar. And some historians tell us that, uh, that the it's believed that the rest of the priests with their jars, they then would, would pour all of their jars of water out at the top of the stairs on the, the temple there, and the water would then go cascading down the stairs. And uh, there, there could be a picture coming up that's like an artist's impression of what the, the temple would have looked like. Of course, we only just had the Western Wall there today, but what this could have looked like. And you can just imagine up in the temple, this is the high point of Jerusalem. And these priests pouring out their water and it's cascading down these stairs and down back into the street and down through the market areas and through these little dwelling houses and places. And Jesus being the master teacher, there's no question of what he would have been, where he would have been. You can just imagine it. I mean, it's pretty explicit here already, but just imagine he's going, as he always did, he, he uses illustrations so powerfully and he would have stood up right next to these priests as this water is being poured out. And he says, there's other water. If you believe in me, my spirit's going to come and is going to fill you and is going to flow out from you. Here's a wonderful, powerful picture that the Holy Spirit was never meant to be a spirit that dwelt in a, te- in a temple or a place. He does. And he comes and he dwells here this morning. But He wasn't just going to be there. He was going to be poured out into the everyday of life, into the ordinary of life, into the marketplace of life, into the houses and the homes of people of life. He loves to be here amongst us, but He wants to be poured out through His people into the streets of Adelaide, into the business places of Adelaide, into the schools of Adelaide, into the homes, into the people. This is the the, the heart and desire of the Holy Spirit. He fills us, and it's a wonderful thing, and it's exciting and great, and what a great experience it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but it's not meant to end there. We are the picture here. We are the temples of the Holy Spirit, not that we contain the Spirit, but that the Spirit flows from us into every aspect and area of life for the glory of God. Can someone say amen? Yeah, that's good news this morning. Because that becomes the power for the weight, The power in every area and aspect of life. This is meant to be normal Christian living. That whatever we're facing, whatever challenges and difficulties, or just when it's not so much just a challenge, it's just life, that the Holy Spirit comes to help, to enable, to inspire, and then flows through us to those around about us. In Jesus' name. Bezalel. Anybody? love the name Bezalel? Anybody pregnant and thinking of what they're going to call their children? Because you, you want to think about Bezalel. Just, there's not enough Bezalels on the planet. Well, Bezalel was, um, was a man in that time of the wandering around the desert. He was uh, there, one of those guys, and we can read about him in Exodus. And let's do that. And uh, just a, a little bit of a reading from Exodus chapter 35. Because goes... Uh, This is really cool. Starting in verse 30. Here we go. Then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God. Now listen to all that follows out from being filled with the Spirit of God, just in this case with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of artistic crafts. And he has given both him and Oholiab, oh, there's another one if you're having twins, and the son of uh, Hizomach of the tribe, triplets, of the tribe of Dan. The ability to teach others. He has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work, as engravers, designers, embroiderers in blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, and weavers, all of them skilled workers and designers. There's just one example of what the Spirit of God wants to come and do. The Spirit of God came on Bezalel. He might have come on him so that he prayed well or prophesied well, we don't know. That may have been true, but what we do know is He came upon him with wisdom and understanding and ability and skill in all sorts of works. I believe this, and, and here's a pattern that we see. The Holy Spirit come, came in the old, old covenant. The Holy Spirit would come on special people, special times, for special purposes. And now we're in the new covenant when the Holy Spirit wants to come on all people, at all times for all kinds of purposes anybody interested in that Yeah, imagine I I love baby dedications and uh, they're great I'm not sure if this is a true story or not but some lady said after the dedication of his baby brother in church my son Johnny cried all the way home in the back seat of the car I had to ask him three times what was wrong finally he said the pastor said we should be brought up in a Christian home, but I want to stay with you guys. <laughs> Could be true. Um, <laughs> baby dedication are also, yeah, I've had the privilege of dedicating just lots and lots of babies. I've only had one cry in my time, and uh, after hundreds of babies, partly because I didn't always take them in my hands. Sometimes I looked at them and I thought, no, you're staying with your parents, and I'm praying like that. Um, but it's a real privilege, it's a real honor. Imagine the privilege of being the one who gets to dedicate the Messiah. Simeon. So there's this man, Simeon, and God's revealed to him that he's going to see the Messiah. And so he's a man of prayer, and one day he has a, a sense of the Spirit saying, go to the temple now. This is, um, this is how it happens. Have you got that passage there in the New Living Translation? It's, it's beautiful. It says, it says this. I, uh, sorry, It's in, yeah, the, the Passion Translation puts it this way. The Holy Spirit had moved him to be in the temple court at the very moment Jesus' parents entered. And he takes Jesus in his arms and he dedicates him. I love the way that's phrased. Because I think it's a good insight into how the Spirit often moves. Because somebody might be saying here this morning, I, I'd like what you're talking about, but how does that look? What's, how does that actually happen? And this, this sense, I don't know that I can put it better, but for Simeon, the Holy Spirit moved him. There's just this inner sense that this is a movement. This is a voice that's not my own. It's a voice from outside. And over, over time, you get to understand that voice. You get to, to, to recognize that voice, but it's just this inner sense of being moved, moved to do something, moved to say something, moved in a certain direction. and go, I don't know that that was me the other night, but you know, this, here he is. He, because he gets moved, he ends up moved to be the right person in the right place at the right time. That's a Holy Spirit specialty, wants to move his people so that you happen to be the right person. In the right place, at the right time. Divine, divine appointments. Divine appointments. You know, um, yesterday, yesterday, Jane and I, uh, we we we're moving, and we, we there was a particular piece of furniture that we really wanted, like a, a bedroom dresser, and uh, and we we I saw one in this. Uh, this really great furniture shop in Brisbane and but it was just ridiculously expensive it was amazing but it was ridiculously expensive and I thought I really like it but no I couldn't afford that so not going to spend that much money and then we saw this particular place is having a warehouse sale yesterday morning so we went down to this warehouse sale this massive warehouse and there's all these people there and as we're walking in and it was interesting because Jane goes in the left there's a left hand and a right hand way of getting in and, and and I, she goes in the left hand because obviously she's not as sensitive to the Spirit as me. Because <laughs> the opposite is true, people. The opposite is actually true. But I just, I feel that moving to go into the right-hand side. So I do. And, and here's the deal. I had actually prayed. I must say, I don't know that I've ever, much to my shame, I don't know that I've prayed about buying furniture before, specifically. But that morning I did. I said, Holy Spirit, help me. We're off to this place would you guide us and help us here? And so, um, because he's interested in the weights of life, all sorts, even buying a furniture weight. Yeah, okay. So, so I go in the right-hand side, which meant I had to go around this huge, big warehouse, like bigger than this room. And, uh, and, and by the time I'd sort of walked my way around, there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing. Then I finally come back almost to the entrance. It's taken a while. And, and I get back to the entrance, and there's that same piece of furniture. And it's on a great sale. And like, wow, that's f-. So I called Jane over. And like, Look at this. And uh, and we're thinking, wow. It's mean, still still expensive, but it was it was way, way cheaper than the original price. I think that's great. And as we're standing there, a lady walks up and she says, Hello. She says, Do you know what? That piece of furniture I know that you're looking at, I bought it just a couple of weeks ago, and we took it home and it does not match our place and I'm about to put it on Gumtree would you like to buy it from me and I'll give it to you at a even much better price than that one and it's still like in its original wraps and everything my first thought is are you a strange person? can I trust you? anyway so we went around to her house I mean she lives in this mansion of a place and uh and she's lovely we met, her, met her and her husband and um and we bought a new piece of furniture. Like, and I'm just thinking, how, how was it that I took the time to just, and she just happened to walk in at that moment. She didn't know that piece of furniture was gonna be on sale. She happened to walk in, she saw it. She saw us looking at it. And it was like, we were the right people in the right place at the right time for a practical thing like buying a piece of furniture. Is the Holy Spirit interested in our lives? It's, the whole, it's been interesting in any part of our lives. About three weeks ago, you know, we, we downsized and we sold our, our big house in the suburbs, and uh, and we rented a place to see if we liked apartment living near the city, and we loved it. So, um, uh, but you know, in in the city in Brisbane, the prices um, in our in the suburb of New Farm there on the river, it's beautiful, but the prices are like ridiculous. And you sell in the suburbs and you think you've got some money, and then you get into the city and you realize, hey, this doesn't go as far um, in Brisbane anyway. And uh, so we thought, gee, maybe we can't afford anything in the market. We looked online and we, we sort of checked it out and nah, couldn't see anything forever. Sort of gave up. And, um, and about a month ago, three weeks ago, one night I'm going to bed and the move says, look online. And I say, no, I'm tired. But I thought, yeah, okay. I had my iPad there next to me, picked it up, went online. There's an apartment. It's in our price bracket. It looks like what we want. Wow, haven't seen anything like it. Frank, haven't seen anything like it since. It had just come on the market like a day. Go around, we bought it. I would not, and I, I'd stop looking online. The Holy Spirit knows what you need. And he, he's just waiting for people who, who will say, I, I've got, I want, it. I want to lean in. I want to be led. I want to be guided by you, Lord. Yeah. Okay. Is this too practical? <laughs> I'll tell you one more story. You want one more story? Just one more story. Because uh, I was just reminded of this, and uh, Pastor Marty picked us up from the airport last night, and we're driving, and we're just chatting away. And he, uh, he tells us how he, he's bought his son Bay a, a sorry, I hope you don't mind me telling everybody Balin, but everybody's about to find out that it's Baylor's birthday on Tuesday. yeah, yeah and and they went yesterday and they chose a serious bow. Now when I was a kid, we made bows out of bits of stick we cut off the tree and a bit of string and the arrow would go like three feet and then fall. This is serious compound bow. If you don't know about bows, these things are very serious. A, uh, a, a, a teacher that uh, I talked with a few years ago, he had one of these things. I remember tr- even just trying to pull the string back. You'd need muscle just to move the string a little bit. So there's a guy called Matt McPherson in America, and he, he has a um, young fellow. He has a, a body repair shop. Uh, he loves worshiping the Lord. He plays guitar. He leads worship. He'd love to be a worship pastor. He's in a small church. They can't afford to pay him. So he's just going to have to do his body work on the cars and do his guitar work. And he also loved bows. And then uh, one night, he really believes the Holy Spirit moves him and uh, and says that I'm going to bless you. And that's a good bit of moving. Okay, I'll receive that because uh, he could do with that because the, 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 things were pretty tough. He, he got married, and it was when interest rates went to, like to 20%, if I remember, and things are really tough. So that was, that was a good word. And then, and then he sent, sent the Holy Spirit to say to him, I have the answers to all the world's problems if people will ask me. And you think about it. Of course the Holy Spirit has the answers, but often we don't ask. And so he asked, could you help me design a better boat? In the middle of the night, he woke up two weeks later and it was like he had seen a vision of a piece of paper with a bow design. He built it and it turned out to be a great new bow design, formed a company, then he sold out of that company and then a little while later, he gets another vision and this time he's driving and it's same thing, he sees this bow, this brand new sort of bow um, with a new system. And he designed, so he gets that made up. And uh, long story short, today, McPherson Inc. is the number one. You know, know, bow hunting may not be a big deal in Australia, but it's a huge deal in America. And uh, so it's the number one bow making company in the world. Um, And he's been inducted into the Bow Hunters Hall of Fame, which again may not be a big deal in Australia, but is in some parts of the world. But then he used the skill that he had gained, his company gained in terms of using, of creating timber and so on, to start to try to make a guitar. And McPherson guitars are now the, the most re, highly regarded guitars in Nashville. He makes guitars, he makes bows, he makes a lot of money. He doesn't have to be paid by a church to worship, leave worship anymore. He can do it all by himself. Because... He said, Holy Spirit, would you help me? And the Holy Spirit did. Wow. What would the Spirit like to teach you and show you? Is there power for the weight of your life? Let me just finally say that the Holy Spirit wants to remember remember those disciples. He said, the Spirit's going to come on you and going to empower you to be my witness. To shine the light. To empower us in the city of Adelaide to be light. And I I know we hear that phrase sometimes. I think it's Augustine is quoted as saying, um, you know, spread the gospel, and if necessary, use words. And and I get it that we need to live the light, we need to be the light, we need to be people living work, lives of integrity before people. We need to be examples of Christ and represent him well. But some days we need to open our mouths, and that's part of it too. And uh, I have a. One of the, the um, tasks I do is I head up the Hillsong College in Brisbane uh, a couple of days a week. We have about 55 students training there for ministry. And one of them is Walter. Walter. Walter's dad became a Christian when Walter was a teenager. And, uh, and then his dad tragically and, and suddenly died only a couple of years later. Walter had followed his dad into faith, but this threw him completely. He just didn't know how to handle that. I guess he, you know, he blamed God. He turned and he ran 180 degrees away from God in his lifestyle and everything. 20 years later, Walter's life reflects 20 years of running away. At work, one of his work colleagues, nicely but repeatedly, invites him to church. He says, "Walter, you need to come to church." Well, "No, no, I'm not going near that." Walter, you need to come. And I think maybe I might have given up. And maybe we think, oh, you know, I've asked once, and they said no. He didn't give up. It wasn't like he was pushy in an ugly sense because he loved Walter. You know, people can tell the difference. And just he's reaching out, Walter, Walter, you need to come. You need to come. And finally, Walter gives in. And only just over a year ago, he walked into church, and as soon as he walked into the place, he knew. He said, I just knew I'd come home. And he comes back to the Lord, and uh, he's enrolled in Bible college. He felt the call of God. Somebody had a prophetic word over him when he's a teenager, and for 20 years had been running away, and now he's come back because there's somebody who shines the light. The power of the Spirit is for harvest, it's shining the light. Well, the Spirit is for you in every area of life. And we're just going to pray. And I I know I had a whole lot more scriptures and a lot of other things to say, but just early this morning, the Lord said, no, that's enough. Just tell them that uh, and invite them into, and some of you perhaps are doing it, but even in a new measure, a lifestyle of allowing the Spirit to carry the weight, a lifestyle of asking the Spirit more, of walking with the Spirit more. You know, that... um, um, I, 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 I love the, the manifestation of the Spirit. I've experienced the Spirit in a, in a, in a bodily form. But um, I found sometimes we can f- end up focusing on the manifestations of the Spirit and not the mission of the Spirit. And, uh, and they don't have to be either ors. But um, there's a mission of the Spirit to reach out, to, to bless us, but it's to fill us, to flow from us. This is the river of water that Jesus spoke about. And that's the mission of the Spirit. And so that we are people who go, I want to be part of your mission, Holy Spirit, to touch out the world, to see the, the, the water of life flowing out and flooding into my world, into my home, into my marketplace, whatever that should look like in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Yeah, how about that? Would you like to stand together? We're going to uh, pray. We're just going to pray and release the Spirit this morning into hearts and lives. And already as we're doing that, there may be a weight that you are carrying. And, and, uh, and believe me, I've been in this position where I suddenly realized, you know, I'm carrying a weight that I have not brought to the Lord. I'm carrying a weight that I've never said, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do next? What have you got to say about this? Is there some answer to this that I'm not seeing? Could you bring to me wisdom and understanding? There's a skill I need. Would you come and enable me? To have that school, this is not an excuse for our laziness at all. Uh, We're going to do all we can, but Holy Spirit, will you come and anoint and enable and grant me the the ability of heaven in this area of life? And right now, if you want to be doing that, you can start reaching out, saying, "Holy Spirit, what have you got for me?" Or just even waiting on the Lord, saying, "Is there an area of life that I have not brought you into, and that needs to be flooded with the river of living water?" Hallelujah. It may be your life right now. Your very being is saying, I need a fresh filling or a filling of the Spirit of God. Open your heart to Him right now. We're just going to pray over just a couple of things. And and one is just um, somebody with a left eye condition. And again, this is only because this morning I'm I'm sensing before this meeting I was feeling moved. uh, That sense of a move by God that there's somebody with a left eye condition. Somebody also with a right ankle condition, and somebody with a back condition, lower in the lower back region. Those areas, if there, those people just reaching out to the Lord right now. And uh, in fact, we'll just pray for you right now. If there's anybody in that situation, or frankly anybody just wants healing for touch of God, just raise your hand high in the air. So that people around, if you love the Lord and you see a hand, why don't you just put a hand on a shoulder nearby you? Hallelujah! Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, come now in your power, Jesus, to bring healing into these situations. Thank you that you are our healer. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And I pray for that healing power to be released now into that eye condition. We say be whole in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Into that right ankle. Be healed now. Let the power of God come and bring total restoration to the sinews and the tendons and to everything that's been stretched and distorted and traumatized in that ankle now in Jesus' name. Into that back condition now. Healing power flow in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And now there's there's another. And and this is a, a, a delicate one. And I don't want you to put your hand up. This is just somebody, and it's it's more the inner person, and it's somebody who's had a, a strong betrayal. There's been a, a really um, damaging, of course, all are, but this uh, deeply damaging betrayal, and it's 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 wounded you on the inside. It's wounded you, your soul, and and I don't want you to put your hand up because I want this to be a safe moment and a safe place, right now, because the Holy Spirit wants to come and and. Uh, we, we could all have had betrayals, but you know that you're the one because you're really struggling to move beyond it. It's been holding you back and you're particularly finding it so difficult to forgive. And there's that deep wound in your spirit. And right now, first thing you need to know is the love of God, the love of the Father. He loves you jesus knows betrayal like no one else on the planet could know betrayal and he is with you and he's alongside you and he wants to pour his life and love into you receive now whoever that is just receive the love of the father it's like his arms are coming around about you in this moment it's like a blanket of love is coming around you as you open yourself to him and it's hard it's difficult even a little scary but he is with you and as you will open your heart to him and allow him to surround you he's pouring in his spirit the oil of his spirit is being poured into your soul in this moment and is bringing healing it's bringing healing bringing healing now it's like there's there's a warmth of the spirit, it's like warm oil being poured inside of you. And as you open yourself up, what's going to happen in the seasons ahead? You're going to find yourself with the capacity to forgive, and it's going to release new life, new life, because of the because of the woundedness, you've, there's been a hardening, and the hardening hasn't allowed new life to grow, but new life is going to grow as the Spirit is released, in Jesus' name, hallelujah, hallelujah, the rest of us just can be supporting that person in love in this moment, just saying, Holy Spirit, minister, your love, and your life, and your grace, hallelujah, hallelujah, in Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus' name, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, Well, Father, we thank you that you have not Asked us to live this Christian life in our own capacity or strength, which is way beyond us. But that you grant us your spirit in full measure. I pray for my brothers and sisters here this morning, that all of us, and me included, Lord, that we will be filled afresh today. That that spirit of life, that life-giving water, will flood into our beings and will be a river of life, filling and then flowing out from us into the world around about us. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's just give Him praise this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.